Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right. Good evening, ladies. Hey. hey. Hello, to our listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Three Psychs and a Mic. Um, so, of course, as always, I want to see how you all are doing. What got you through this week? What pushed you through? Anything you're grateful for? Who want to go first? Um, let's see. I guess I'll go first. Um, I am grateful for, um, the year 2020, (laughs) actually making it to the year 2020, um, because there's a lot of, um, things I'm looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to continuing this podcast. I think we're going to have lots of awesome things coming out of this. I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm grateful for, you know, Different events, girl with girlfriends. Um, I'm grateful for my upcoming wedding. I'm grateful for the start of a new job. Yeah. So I'm just very grateful for the year 2020. And I just pray I get to see all of the days, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the indifferent. Um, and just looking forward to sharing this year with friends and family and new people that I'm going to meet. Um, yeah, yeah. That's some good stuff, man. You got some good stuff coming up. Yeah. yeah. What um, about you, Ari? Um, I guess for me, so one of the biggest things that I am like super grateful and excited about um on New Year's Eve, I actually got a job offer for a new job. So I'll be starting a new job too in 2020. Hey! What'd you say? I said we are officially public with the announcement. Yes, yes. I'm officially public now because I have put in my resignation at my job. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, is it officially public now? Yes, it is. It is. I'm super excited about that. Um, New things coming up. I am so amped because it's like my dream job. So I am extremely, extremely grateful for um, who I call my mentor, Shamarlin, um, for um, just helping me through this process. So that is my grateful um, and no better way to bring in the new year with that kind of on the shelf happening. So I'm super excited about that. That's the thing that has basically gotten me through like going back to work after the holiday, I was like, look, I'm walking up in here knowing that I got something else on the horizon. So I'm super excited. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what got me through the end of that holiday season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll go with what I'm grateful for. Cause I don't really have anything <laughs> that got me through. Um, amoxicillin has been getting me through. I'm still sick. <laughs> Shout out to modern medicine. Um, so today I was in Target and I discovered Target now carries mumbo sauce. So if you don't know what mumbo sauce is, mumbo sauce is this. It's like manna from heaven. 
It's like if I created a condiment, it would be mumbo sauce. Um, you typically can only get it in, I think, maybe the DMV area. <clears throat> and it may be specifically D.C. Um, it like it comes in like a soy sauce bottle. Uh, yeah. Kind of, well, it's like That's a pointed top. Actually, um, I can show you. <laughs> it's like a pointed top. Or the tip of it. And I'm so excited because anytime I go to D.C., I have to make sure that I stop to get some chicken with mumbo sauce. So I'm so excited. Um, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see that. That's cool that they're selling that now. And I think it's black. It's a black owned company, too. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. I have never heard of that but oh it looks good. I'm telling you, it's the best thing. Put it on some wings. I have to now figure out other things that I can put on it. Like I can, because I can't be eating chicken every day. So right. listeners, if you know of other things I can put this sauce on, it's kind of, it reminds me of a Polynesian sauce. Um, yeah. Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. Harold's chicken sauce. Mm-hmm. If, if you, you put it on like tacos or fish or something. No? Yeah. Probably and maybe fries. I don't know. It's good though, so I was so excited. You know what? I just realized I didn't even look at the price. I have no idea how much. I paid. <laughs> oh wow! Just picked it up. I just picked it up and threw it in the basket. So yeah, but I'm oh. grateful. Nice, grateful for Target selling that mambo sauce. Yes. Oh, one more grateful, Chari. Uh, you want to talk about our gift? Yes. Yeah. 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 I was going to, that was going to be, our, that was going to be my collective send our love, but I'm going to be grateful. We're going to kick it off now. Cause I think it's something to kick off at the beginning of the episode. So we received our first listener gift. Um, I guess just a, a token of appreciation from one of our listeners. Her name is Antoinette Tony. Um, and she has a, um, her own, company called Global Mindset and she um, specializes in making like jewelry and different like headpieces and things that you can wear but she sent us some of her jewelry um, some pairs of her earrings that she made that her company made and so we are so so grateful for that Um, so thankful for that token of appreciation and you guys definitely go check out some of her things on and you can find her on Instagram and it's global mindset and we'll definitely put it in the show notes so that you can just kind of click click the link and see some of the cool things that she has but we're thankful thank you so much Tony for sending that over yes thank you so much the jewelry is lovely so thank you thank you very thoughtful so thoughtful And it's super cool because it's like definitely um, personalized for us. So we're so thankful for that. So thank you. So cool. 
Excellent. All right. Well, let's jump on into the, just the next segment and talk a little bit about what's been going on in the media. Um, before we started recording, April sent us a clip of a young um, female. So it's, the clip is of, I guess they're in their work setting and there's a black woman who is wearing her hair natural, kind of in an Afro style. And she's got three white coworkers around her, kind of, it looks like petting her hair in a sense like they they've got their hands in I mean they're like in her hair and looking just like in awe of her hair and just like touching it and the her co-worker basically said you know co-worker wore her hair natural today and my uh, you know my white co-workers are going wild about it and so we you all saw the clip what did y'all, and we're all natural, so all three of us are natural. Um, mm-hmm. What are your reactions to this clip? I instantly flashed back to like second, third grade when I used to watch my white classmates get their hair checked for headlights. Oh. It was like, this is what it looks like they're doing to this woman. Like, it wasn't just a, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> like one lady actually like almost like kind of looked like she grabbed a little hump. Like yeah. she was grabbing a banana. Like what is, what is she searching for? I mean, it, it's not a treasure hunt. Um, it was just so awkward and, and odd looking. And I, I don't know about y'all, but anytime anyone ever asks, can I touch your hair? The answer is is almost it's like an automatic no. Like I don't I don't need you to pet me. There's something that you would like to know about my hair. Like let's talk about it. But you know this is this is not a petting suit. I don't I don't need you to pet me or dig in my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Know you like um, if I know you, I kind of know where the curiosity is from. Like if it's another mm-hmm. black woman, I know they're usually asking to touch my hair because they want to see like, oh, is it, you know, the because they may want to try to recreate the style and they may be curious to like, is it, you know, how does the product feel on your hair like that? Mm-hmm. But when it's yeah, different with black women, yeah, you, have but, to, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm yeah, you get show like I'm not some object to like, oh. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and like, did it in a privacy kind of situation. Even if you are like a white woman or a white coworker, if you did it more in like a privacy situation, because I have had classmates that have genuinely shown curiosity, and we've had conversations and that kind of thing. But to be in a workspace, and, and it was multiple. Yeah, multiple people. And I don't mind like questions about my hair, but like that's that's very different than you actually needing to touch it. Like what will touching any part of me provide for you? Like at what point like is that going to give you the answer to all the questions that you need just by touching it? You know, like that's just the invasion. It reminded me of when I was my one of my first like big girl jobs and I got my very first sew in, very first sew in. <laughs> um, and so black women, you, I'm sure you, everyone has had that moment when you walk into work with a new hairstyle and <laughs> right. your mind. 
And also it was a sewing. So it was like longer than anyway. And my supervisor at the time was like, oh my God, can I touch it? And I remember being like, I, yes, I, I don't like, I wasn't comfortable, but I also wasn't comfortable saying no. Like it was just a really weird and awkward situation. I was much younger, uh, yeah. like early first real job. And I just remember afterwards being like, I don't think I like that. Like, and I get it because if one of my roommates that came in with a song, I'd be like, Ooh, let me tell you, but it's like, I don't know. Like you're my boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. To me, I equate it to strangers walking up to women and touching their belly when they're yep. pregnant. Right? Yeah. yeah. And even if you ask, like it's still, that's still invasive and it, it, it makes for an awkward moment to me. Right. Like, why do you want to touch any part of me? Like, that part is so interesting to me that people are like, let me touch it. Like, what? Why? Like, like, like your curiosity entitles you to, like, just stay curious. There's a lot of stuff I see that I'm curious about and I'm not going to go and be like, can I touch it? I really like your jeans. I just want to see what it feels like. Like, no. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's so- I mean, let's look, I've seen plenty of bloods walking around here like, hmm, that's interesting. Girl. Is it real? Can I touch it? I'm not going to go up. <laughs> You know, I'm going to look, <laughs> make my own judgments about it and keep it moving. I'm not about to oh, ask you if I can touch it. Like, so let's think about it. Like, is it that awkward? Like, you wouldn't walk up to someone and be like, can I touch your butt? It looks real. But, you know, I know it's not. But, yeah, I want to feel the authenticity of it. Yeah. Same thing. Just, or just because you're so different. Because that's another part of it. Um, <clears throat> it's like the curiosity also stems from a place of othering. Yeah. Um, because my hair is so different from yours, automatically you're like, well, this is unique. I'm like, okay. Also, if we don't converse like that, then no, you don't have the right to access that part of my body. Yeah. I remember it came up in one of my diversity sessions where it was um, me and two other white women. I think the guy, he either was in there or was super quiet, but the conversation was about hair. The two white women we're talking about their hair and how something. And then I think I made a comment like, yeah, if I wash my hair at 7 p.m., I, I'm going to have to call out the next day. Like, that's too late. Mm-hmm. And one of the women said, like, she was like, I don't, I never know how to, like, introduce to the conversation. It's like, I don't I don't know if it's appropriate for, for me to ask about your hair care. And I was like, well, if we're if there's a conversation around hair. Yes. Like, yeah. I think that's appropriate because it's, it's topical. Sure. Sure. But, if I just happen to walk in the break room and, <laughs> and y'all all of a sudden want to know about my hair, like what, where did that come from? <laughs> like, but, but it's also, you know, the topic of whiteness and ownership and feeling as though there is an ownership over things and people and that I can do anything with that ownership. So if that means touching you, in an inappropriate space or in an inappropriate time, then I don't have to think twice about it. I don't have to think about asking. I can just be standing behind you in the line at Target and oh, reach oh. out and touch your hair. You know what I'm saying? It's like this. I, I It's an ownership thing. Have you all had moments where people have reached out and touched your hair? I was just about to say, and that's happened um, <laughs> before. Um, but you know what? That's happened even before 
I was natural. I remember, um, you know, I had a relaxed circus. My hair was a little bit long. I mean, it was, you know, a little longer. And I could hear the people behind me saying, that's not her hair. You know, they're having a whole whole conversation about whether my hair, and it was my hair, was mine or not. And so I'm just like, whatever. And then... I feel someone tug. Like, they didn't just touch it. They did, like, a little kind of tug. And I turn around, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. We we just wanted to see if it was yours. That's so problematic. <laughs> and it's like, what? Uh, what? Really? That's it's like an ownership thing. Like, it's literally, like, this space of, like, I own things and like (laughs) I own things. And so I don't have to think about like, do I have permission to own this thing to touch it? So I'm going to just reach out and touch it or I'm going to just walk in a room and start talking, even though everybody else is talking or I'm going to just sit in this seat or I'm going to just do this thing. You know, it it definitely equates to that. Problematic. There are two. Go ahead, Erica. I know. I was asking you. Yeah, there are two instances that always stand out for me. So when I was in Auburn, um, it's funny because my, my a friend of mine, we always joke about this moment because it, my hair was like moth to a flame for drunk white college boys. Oh God! Because I let my hair out, and it was you know it was big, and yeah. so they would. I mean, inevitably, it was almost always at the same bar too. <laughs> Oh my God! Say what now? I'm gonna need you to bounce somewhere else to go. (laughs) (laughs) There weren't too many for doc students to go, but you weren't gonna be with your students. Um, Um, They would walk up and go, "Oh my God!" And you see the hand, and it would happen so fast (laughs) that you're like, "Whoa!" And I remember two two instances. I was in the line in the bathroom, waiting for the bathroom. There's a girl, right girl in front, and she's like. Oh my God, I love your hair. I just love things exotic. And I said, Wow. Like, no, no, no. She didn't say exotic. She said tribal. Tribal? Oh, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? America. What tribe? Like literally down the street. The hell? Tribe. I said, I'm from Birmingham, but if you're really into tribal things, there's actually a, a, a I think I told about the museum exhibit or something like that's not a, from Birmingham, um, <laughs> from the tribe of Alabama. But, and the second thing that, so after that, my I had a friend, she was like my hair bodyguard because she would spot a hand from a mile away and be like, no, and slap the, like literally <laughs> slap the hand. out of the way. But I was in the grocery store once and it was an older black lady. And maybe natural hair wasn't, because it was almost over 10 years ago, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And my hair was big. And she was pushing her daughter in a cart, or her granddaughter. And she was staring at my hair so hard that her cart, like she pushed a little girl into one of the displays. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh my God, your hair is so beautiful. Then she reaches her hand. And like, you know how people like feel your scalp? Oh my goodness. If it was mine, I said, yes, it's all mine. It reaches in. And I mean, like, no. And I go and I reach back, like, whoa. And I'm trying to respect my elders. So this is an older woman. 
But I was just like, yo, what the hell is going on in this city? <laughs> well, I got a whole Listen, <laughs> I don't know. First of all, that's nasty. That's nasty. Out of my head. But so, yeah, I have. Oh, gosh. So, in this, yeah, in this clip, the the black woman is looking kind of <laughs> kind of taken aback, but also a little confused and like, I don't really know what to say. What do y'all usually like? What is usually your response when stuff like this happens? Now it's no, you can't. Yeah. Like, it's just a flat out. Right. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's an it's an it's a no. It's a no. It's just it's a no. It's like but a... then like and and don't do it. The the thing that I hate is the the question with the reach, right? Yeah. So you're asking <laughs> as you're reaching to touch my hair, like that is a that is that is invitation in my mind. That is invitation for a backhand. Right. So, like I'm gonna grab I'm a... you away like it's just gonna be one of those immediate like reflexive reactions yeah um, like what what do you what you think you're doing um, like what are you doing yeah no yeah no I usually am like no and I don't really get the question often at get the question often um but when it is happening I'm usually like no you know I don't really know I mean it's a flat no but then it's like a I don't really know what you do with your hands. Like, I don't, I don't, you're not hygienic. Like, I don't want you like touching me. Like, right, no, right. definitely not. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, that, that leads us, I think, into somewhat into our topic for today. And so, um, we, we were talking before the show just about, um, you know, black women and, um, you know, the, the idea or the stereotype of the angry black woman. And, you know, even that scenario that we talked about in the media minute could lead someone to kind of, to feel angry. And it makes me think about the young lady in the clip where she had this very kind of awkward, sm- like smirk on mm-hmm. her face. But you could also feel, see the stiffness and the discomfort in the situation and I could see that and think I would have been angry. And I wonder if, you know, maybe there was some anger that she felt, but felt like it wasn't appropriate or she wasn't allowed to express it. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about um, that stereotype of the angry black woman, but also that 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 inability inability to be able to express it and how are we how might we be able to sort of embrace the uh, this this stereotype and instead you know recognize it as something that we we can use and not accept it as the stereotype like if we are angry how can we take that and say i'm allowed to be angry i'm allowed to express that um and maybe teach other people to not try to use that as a weapon because I do feel like the idea of the angry black woman has been weaponized against black women. Mm-hmm. And so just want to have a conversation about that today. Um, I guess I'll start it off by posing the question of, um, have you ever been called or identified 
um, as an angry black woman. Um, and April brought up a, a good point of a lot of times people don't call us angry black women. They'll say you are intimidating. Um, so have you guys ever been labeled intimidating? Absolutely. <clears throat> this is April. Um, I have been told that some people may find me intimidating or have no people may be intimidated. Um, sassy. That was a fun <laughs> one. Um, combative was one I heard. Um, I don't know if I've, I've haven't had aggressive cause that's a, a, a common one is mm-hmm. aggressive. I've, I've had the intimidating and the sassy and combative. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I haven't like personally me when I'm alone, like I haven't gotten that comment of being like angry or aggressive, intimidating, but at collectively, um, I've gotten the comment in groups of like, oh, you're not a team player. So like in professional settings, um, Mm -hmm. when there are, when, if there's a team and the team is majority black women, like, oh, you guys aren't really team players or you aren't really, you know, following along with what's best for the group. Um, you guys are really opinionated, like those types of things that can have like that (laughs) negative slant to it, but not outright saying like, oh, you're, you're angry. You're aggressive. Mm -hmm. You're problematic. Right. So they're alluding. Yes. It's the illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Like that plain microaggression of like, oh, you're saying a thing, but we can't really put our finger on what you're saying. Mm. You know, I've definitely gotten the label of um, being intimidating. Um, And I would always say, how am I intimidating? I am five foot two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's, you know, and. You know, of course, well, I, 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 what's that? <laughs> Those five, I said the five, three and unders be the worst ones. Now, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I would tell people, like, I might be five, two, but I feel six feet tall, honey. Let me tell you. Um, But, you know, I have gotten that. And the explanation behind it is um, because I present with confidence. And I'm not easily, I'm not easily quieted or silenced by others. And that translates into intimidation. Mm -hmm. And and my thought is often, well, if someone is trying to silence me, aren't they the ones that are attempting to intimidate? Not me. Mm -hmm. Like, shouldn't my be viewed as what they are, as I'm confident, I'm self-assured. And so I do believe that those same actions are read very differently if I were, if, if I were exhibiting those behaviors and I were a man or a white woman, but because I'm a black woman and I am saying, no, you can't silence me or I'm going to speak my truth, um, you know, or I'm going to, share my opinion and my thoughts, even if they don't match with yours, why is that then considered to be um, intimidating? Yeah. <clears throat> but oftentimes... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, April. 
No, Sam, part of me feels like that whole intimidated language is like, that's a you problem. Yeah. That is my favorite line. That is my favorite line. I absolutely am like, that doesn't sound like a me problem. That sounds like a you problem. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel that's something that you need to work through. Yeah. Period. And I think that's the danger, not the danger, the challenge with dealing, like having a stereotype over your head is that you are, you're rarely ever given the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Cause people like there's rarely questions about, well, why are you combative or aggressive or whatever? Um, and sometimes it's like, well, yeah, cause I've been fighting to say this the last however many weeks. And yet this person came in and said the same thing. And <laughs> like, that is right. one of the most frustrating things. Uh, I'm, I'm a part of several different um, boards and groups and organizations and things. And probably two weeks ago, um, we had a meeting and there's only a few um, black women on this board myself included. And so, (laughs) you know, we chat a little bit (laughs) on the side. And so I remember just kind of um, one of my um, fellow, one of the fellow black women on the board, you know, was making a comment and it was going against kind of what the group was saying. Um, And, you know, I'm thinking, yes, of course, like I'm agreeing with her and, you know, everyone's like, well, I think we need to kind of think about it in a different way. And then literally a month later at the next meeting, a white woman said the exact same thing that the black woman said and everybody was on board with it. Mm. I just remember texting her going, I'm sorry, didn't you just say that? <laughs> like at the last, matter of fact, you said the exact same things in the last two meetings that we've had. <laughs> and it's not acceptable, you know, recommendations coming from you. And now the exact same thing is being said and everybody is like, oh, that's such a great idea. And you hear about that kind of thing happening. And literally her response was, this is infuriating. It is infuriating. And so this is where you see the angry black woman coming into play. And it's because your your thoughts, your intelligence or anything that you have to offer has to almost be not vetted, but it almost has to be verified. Like some, an an other person to verify it as good enough before it. Yeah. Like it has to be validated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It happens so much. It happens all the time. And that's, I have come to a place in my professional career um, and also like I'm older, so I'm not, I didn't have this attitude when I was younger, um, but you know, older age, been in a career path for a while is that I don't care to be perceived as angry black woman. And, um, and part of, and I tell students all the time, like it is not your job to change someone's mind who is already committed to believing the worst about you. If somebody already believes in this whole angry black woman stereotype, you can be passive 48 weeks out of the year. Yeah. That one week 
you step up and say something, you are going to get that label because that's what they already believe about you. And what happens is when you risk like silencing yourself and and being quiet when you don't want to, is that you lose. It never, it never, ever, ever, ever benefits you. Mm-hmm. It never benefits you. So I'm kind of the attitude now of take me, take it or leave it. Now, I do have to step back sometimes and take, I'll ask for examples because I know also my my personality type. I am very opinionated. When I believe something, I believe it very strongly and I will be like a rabbit dog and hold on to it. (laughs) There are some people who don't just, especially if they are conflict averse, like that's going to, that's not going to work. So sometimes it's like, okay, this is just a dynamic thing. So I may ask, okay, well, what is it? Because I, I can, you know, I can adjust tone or not even tone, but language if, or little things. Um, but there have been times when someone has made a, a, a coded language and I've asked, okay, can you give an example? And they couldn't. <laughs> You're full of BS. Right. right. You can't even tell me what I'm doing to intimidate you or to be. Right. Or I can't put my finger on it. It's just something about you. Yeah. Right. That part. Yeah. This melanin that's. <laughs> is it really about me or is it about you or is it about you right right because you're pointing it in the wrong direction (laughs) yeah definitely so what are your i guess advice or how have you managed to work around this in the workspace while still you know taking inventory um, like self-reflecting and all that stuff, but still kind of standing your own. Like, what are your tips on doing that? Hmm. Well, one thing that I definitely have learned just from a professional standpoint is I, I if I am showing any type of emotion, I make sure that I am connecting it to you know, whether it's a a decision that we're making or I will acknowledge the direction or the placement of it. So, you know, oftentimes when people are like, you know, like calm down, you're, you're angry or whatever you, I, I would, I feel like I have to say, you know, I'm feeling very strongly about this issue because I know that it's going to, you know, have a negative impact on my black students or it's going to have a negative impact my graduate students or it's going to have a negative impact on my female students or like wherever the emotion is coming from, you know, I think it is important to identify the placement and direction of it because a lot of times people will place it and make it personal. Yeah. And, um, I, I never want that to be misconstrued mm-hmm. and certainly there is some personal <laughs> emotions that's coming that needs to be addressed privately with in one-on-one, I think with the individuals that that is being directed to. Um, and sometimes that can happen, you know, um, but collect, but like, and sometimes I've just had to say like, this really makes me angry. like, I just identify it. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. if someone is identifying it or they misidentify emotions, I make sure that I correct whatever the actual experience that I'm feeling. I don't allow someone to place 
something on me that's not mm-hmm. actually. No, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like being in spaces and being able to say, I am angry and this is, I'm angry and I feel unheard, you know, or I'm, I'm angry and I feel um, overlooked in certain situations, you know, and being able to say like, yeah, this does anger me, right? Mm-hmm. This does anger me as things anger everybody, right? So as a black woman, I don't own the emotion of anger. It's not just me. Um, so yes, there are moments where I do get angry, but being able, like you said, Erica, to identify it when it's actually anger, and then when it's not anger, being able to say, no, this isn't anger that you're seeing. This is just me feeling disrespected or this is me feeling like over overlooked or silenced or me feeling invisible in this space. And so mm-hmm. being able to identify what it is and being able to say, yeah, there are moments where things do anger me and mm-hmm. that is a right that I get to have. Um, so, yeah. And it's and it doesn't being angry doesn't invalidate the legitimacy of whatever that trigger or that thing was. And I think oftentimes, especially for women, because it's not um, <clears throat> it's not this doesn't just happen in the workplace, but oftentimes mm-hmm. emotion is used to like delegitimize our experience. Oh, see, y'all, you just getting emotional right now. We can't have this conversation like, whoa, mm-hmm. as right. if we can't. Well, you know, women, women just are so they they think with emotions and men lead with logic like that. What? No, we're, we're not going to do like I, I've had I've experienced that argument or that, you know, little drop. And it's like, oh, so you're you're trying to silence mm-hmm. or like discredit what I'm feeling because there's an emotion behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's also very frustrating especially if the person <laughs> was the cause of it like yeah yeah, yeah. I, I find it very um very interesting how <clears throat> you know the specific emotion of anger has been policed when it comes to black women all women black men but the expression of anger among white women white men has never been policed right mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. white male rage white male violence. anger and the violence that ensues because it is not policed seems to be probably a large percentage of the issues that we have, I will say at least in this country, because it's the country that I live in, but I would assume, you know, also, you know, worldwide, there's just this idea that no one else is allowed to not only feel the emotion, but then express the emotion outwardly at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of policing it, I think what we all need to focus on is learning how to manage it. You know, is, is a natural, uh, excuse me, anger is a natural emotion just as any other. And we learn how to deal with it. But um, but anger is not allowed for men. I mean, excuse me, for black men, for black women, for women in general. It's only allowed to run rampant um, in white male spaces, which mm. is white male space. 
And so I wish we could have a conversation about that because that would take us into a whole lot of other issues (laughs) that we have going on around the world in this country, in our workplaces, et cetera. Well, when you said that, Erica, it made me think how we laugh at white women's anger. Like Mm -hmm. the whole, um, let me talk to your manager haircut, like the joke. Karen, like it's a joke. But the joke, if when you dig a little deep, it's that, you know, white women are allowed to cut up in the Apple store because they were told by Apple Care that <laughs> you know, <laughs> they could get their phone fixed and nothing happens. I, I, quick story. I was at the farmer's market a, a while ago and there was a really long line for flowers. And um, I mean, it was moving fairly quickly, but the flowers was like $10 a bouquet. So, of course everybody's lining up and um they had different types like if you wanted already a set that was already made you're on this side if you wanted your own you have to wait a little longer so there was this mm-hmm. older white woman well let me not call her older she was older than me well mm-hmm. anyway um <laughs> let me not anyway right right there was an older white woman a, a few people ahead of me in line and she goes um, excuse me, I've, I've been waiting for a long time here. And the people making the flowers, I, I don't know their ethnicity. They weren't white, but I couldn't I couldn't place it. <clears throat> but they weren't white. I knew that much. Um, and they were younger. And I looked at the woman and I go, is it that serious? And then one of the ladies making the flowers, she looks at me like kind of this shared look because she couldn't say anything. And so I'm looking, and it's so funny because I got so mad. I was looking at this woman like, I want you to say something. <laughs> and she didn't say anything. And I think partly because one, nope, like she wasn't being amen, like that was not going to happen there. But then I was like, she was so emboldened, like, because you're frustrated that you're waiting in line like everybody else. And you saw someone get something before you. And the woman told her. Well, she's waiting on something different. She's buying something different than you. And her tone, like, I wish her tone was so condescending. Yeah. It was just like, wow. And you're doing this in public. So that means, like, you don't even care how you're being perceived. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I can't do that. Security would have been probably (laughs) over it. And I think it does go back to kind of like what Erica was saying about the policing of anger, you know, in our society, instead of being able to say anger is a natural emotion, everyone's going to experience it. How do we experience anger and still behave in a way that isn't going to be disrespectful or in a way that isn't going to be violent or in a way that isn't going to negatively impact the people around us or closest to us, right? And so that conversation of, yes, you're going to experience anger, you know, as a Black woman, yes, I'm going to experience anger because it is natural. And I get to engage that experience but that discussion of how do we do it in a way, you know, and, and everybody, like how, how does that happen in a way that doesn't impact the people closest to us in violence or in like, like April was saying, just disrespect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I wish there was like a clean answer. One size fits all, 
but it's not because mm-hmm. we are black women. And even if you do it appropriately, you still run that risk mm-hmm. um, of still being misperceived, which is why I think part of it is knowing how to deal with the anger, but also even if your anger or your response is justified, you have to be okay with whatever the consequences are. Um, because what I personally hate is when I have the dang, I should have, like when I'm replaying the moment and I have a whole script in my head, I hate that feeling. (laughs) And this is why, and this is probably a whole nother issue. This is why I believe that black women have become the masters of petty because we've had to learn. (laughs) We've had to learn. I need to be able to get my anger out because I've been boxed into the stereotype of the angry black woman. I can't express my anger in the traditional sense. So now I have to put it in a appropriate, you know, (laughs) apparatus to deliver it so that you get it. It's, it's aggressive, but it's not harsh. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and the whole time you were talking, April, like the image that kept floating around in my mind was those those cheat sheets of like how to express your anger and frustration, you know, when you're at work in those emails, like per my last email, <laughs> it, bitch, I thought I told you the first time, you know, <laughs> you know like have a blessed day really means. Um, don't come girl, for me, girl. Bye. <laughs> don't come for me, right? You know, it's <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is this is why this is why we have developed the perfectionism of petty in order to manage this angry black girl. y'all book title, the Dark, right? Petty managing. The angry black woman stereotype. I promise you, if I see that book on shelves in a year from now, I'm I'm calling for a copyright infringement because it's atmosphere. Right, you better get on it. You better start writing it. (laughs) Yes, that's funny. That's a that I like. That's a good way. (laughs) I never thought about it. Because who does it better than the black woman? Come on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's so funny. Pettiness is really a, a defense. It's a response. It's a defense mechanism. A defense mechanism. Anger. <laughs> it is absolutely necessary. It is absolutely necessary. That is so funny. So just to kind of wrap this, wrap this up, though, you know, we are going to be faced with the stereotype of of the angry black woman. I definitely think there are ways that we can manage it in in a sense where we don't feel silenced, um, but we can still use our voice and those and our emotions, whether they're angry or not, to still empower empower ourselves, whether it's in work settings or not. Um, and I think it's important for us, you know, to kind of recognize that we're just gonna we're gonna be given that stereotype and we don't need to let it silence us because like april said like the the purpose of it is to silence you yeah Um, and to take away your your voice and your power 
Yeah, agree. Agreed. Um, that's a good wrap up. So what are your takeaways that we want our listeners to walk away with around this topic? Um, I think for me, a takeaway is basically being able to own your emotions, right? So being able to have those emotions, to own them, to be able to say, yes, this is what I'm experiencing in this moment without like being apologetic about it. Um, but also being able to be responsible with those emotions, I guess, um, kind of not, not using the fact that because I feel anger in this moment, it emboldens me or embraces me to be able to engage with other people in this way. Um, so being able to own it, being able to identify it and being able to be responsible for it. Mm -hmm. I think my takeaway is, you know, figure out a way to question or challenge when this stereotype is being imposed upon you. Um, You know, when someone is saying, I think you're a little intimidating or, you know, too aggressive or opinionated or whatever, you know, secondary language is being used to put this stereotype on you, you know, figure out a way that that you're comfortable with confronting that. Um, to figure out really, is there something that you're actually doing, you know, that is creating discomfort in the environment versus is there something about the other person um, there that is, like you said, April, that's a that's a you problem. That's a them problem, really. It's, it's not you. It's them. Um, and being able to confront that in a professional, respectful way um, and hopefully to get some kind of resolve or at least an understanding of where that's really coming from. Mm -hmm. That's good. I would say my takeaway is, uh, particularly for the Black women listeners, be angry. Um, Be angry and be smart about it. Meaning just, I know the world we live in, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and protect your energy Mm -hmm. within that anger. So if there are certain things or certain people that you find are constantly just depleting you or just you find yourself constantly frustrated, figure out ways to navigate that so that you're not constantly in that the headspace as well. Some sometimes you can't avoid it. Like if it's somebody you gotta see every day, like your partner. I'm joking. Um (laughs) (laughs) be angry. That's one thing I wish, especially young girls, I, I wish I could instill is be angry. Honey, somebody probably should have told me to be less angry when I was young. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> well, not for everybody. Some already got it. Right. <laughs> I have grown. <laughs> You've learned how to harness it. I have learned how to harness the power. <laughs> All right. Well, we have come to the segment of send one your love. So we are going to think about like people who we want to send our love to, who we want to pay it forward to. Um, So do you guys have people or entities or things in mind that you'd like to send your love this week? Does anybody Mm. have anything? Uh, I'll go. Um, Did I go first? Um, I'm going to, I might have. 
Uh, I'm going to send my love out to my friend um, who shall remain nameless, um, who is dealing with a lot with, um, you know, one thing about getting older is when our parents get sick, it is, it's just, there's nothing that can prepare you for that and dealing particularly when it's a severe illness and if you are the only one kind of around to to do all the the kind of the daily things that when someone is um, really sick and they can take a toll physically mentally emotionally all of that um so I'm sending my love out to him and hoping for peace and whatever happens whatever God's will is I hope that everyone um is able to find some peace during this time as well Awesome. Um, I just no, I don't have. I'm. I feel like Shari. <laughs> right. I, mean, I, I love. I, I. I don't know. Like I it's love. Like I love people. <laughs> um, y'all thinking too deep. I think that's what tripped y'all up. Maybe so. Love is I, a big thing, man. I know. But, like I want to be. I want to throw it around lightly. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you who I really want to send my love. To. I really want to send my love out to Banana Republic Factory Store, um, who had a really good sale um, starting the day after Christmas because your girl has put on a little weight. Um, and so uh, I can't fit any of my work pants. Like literally, I have gone to work. <laughs> In jeans, <laughs> everything since September, uh, which, uh, mind you, is completely against the rules. But I mean, <laughs> so I've been going to work in jeans. I really need to do better. And so I said, I'm going to start out the year right, following the rules. And so I ordered like five pairs of work pants um, from Banana Republic. No, I take that back. Excuse me. Oh, maybe is where I got those work pants from because Banana Republic was perfect. Um, so yeah, and I really I was able to get all my work pants for less than like eighty dollars. Nice. And um, I just really appreciate that uh, for helping the sister out. These are going to be temporary because um, I refuse to, you know, stay in a size <clears throat> pants. <laughs> um, yeah, so sending my love out to that awesome, awesome sale, Old Navy. Go check it out. It runs until the 6th. So, um, and there's an extra 15% off coupon online that you can automatically apply at your checkout. So go check it out, guys. That's nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to send my love out to one of my really, really good friends who happened to be pulling up to my house in time to watch a possum crawl into my garage. <laughs> and uh, he was able to get this possum out of my garage because I was ready to just give my car to this possum. Like, just get it. Like, y'all, y- possum, you can have it. I'm not dealing with no possum in my garage. And so he was able, like, literally, as he was pulling up, he came in, he was like, yo, 
there's a possum that just ran under your car in your garage. And I literally usually never leave my garage door open. But this day I was like, I'm just going to run in the house. I'm running right back out. And that possum took full advantage. April, I think it was the same possum you saw when you left my house that day. <laughs> that possum in the plane. That thing has been eating cats and puppies. That thing is huge. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I need to call like the the city people, the the animal control. Surprise, girl. With a broomstick and a flashlight, because I was not about to be in that garage with that possum. Imagine, y'all, imagine me walking out of my house and seeing a possum run from under that car. Girl, I would have died on the spot. So I'm sending my love (laughs) to my friend who has impeccable timing and was able to save my life that night because it would have been bad for, for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm also going to send my love to these impound people, these city animal control who are going to come out here and try to find this possum because I'm not dealing with I can't. It's too much. It's gotten out of control. It's the same one. That possum might box. That one like it'll fight (laughs) back. Thank you. Sorry, you got a little gangster possum, honey. Girl, you know I'm in the city limits, so this possum done been through some things. You know, I'm in the city limits. I feel like I'm one stoplight away from the from the ghetto, from the hood. So the possum has been through some things, and apparently he don't like he's real. He's bold. He's a survivor, girl. He's a survivor. Possum is bold. Walked straight up under my car. He was there first. I mean, you might have put your house on his home. I'm just saying. Right. Mom said, you tell me these gentrifiers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, right. Gentrifier. Oh, Lord. That possum. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I think I got to call the animal control people, but it's in the city. So, like, this possum ain't just hanging in my backyard. He probably went down the street around the corner. Right. (laughs) They ain't about to come pick up. Is no possible. Animal <laughs> control is gonna be like, girl, if um <laughs> these you in South Carolina, honey. How much when you got some real wild animals in your backyard? I'm gonna pick this possible up. Oh my god. Maybe, but they're not about to go through the woods uh, and your backyard looking for that possum. <laughs> I promise you, they're gonna be like, "Hold on, ma'am." They're gonna put you on speakerphone, tell everybody in the office come in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, some got to give because if I would have been at the house by myself, y'all imagine some got to give. Well, what to put down to keep them away from your garage? Um, <clears throat> Because they're going to be, I mean, just from where you live, like, they're going to be out. But what can you put around your house? Like, if there is anything. Right. Mail that they don't like. Mm-hmm. She don't know how. Shari was trying to get rid of a possum with a broom and a dustpan. I'm going to take a possum fight. Mm-mm. I wasn't even out there, y'all. I was holding a flashlight from in the house, like. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, y'all, we need to go ahead and wrap this on up. So, listeners, um, please, if you would, 
Um, follow us on our social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram at three sites and a mic. That's the number three sites and a mic. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to get information about how to find a mental health professional in your area, please send us an email um, at three sites and a mic at gmail.com. If you would also um, on whatever um, platform you listen to us on, whether it's um, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever podcast place you check us out at, if you would please leave a comment, leave a review. Um, we would love to hear from you. Again, thank you for um, um, uh Miss Tony, who sent us the gift. Yeah. Again, really, really appreciate that. It is wonderful. And you guys check her out. We will post her information um, in our show notes. Um, but other than that, we'll see you next time. Thank you for Bye. listening. Bye. 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 Thanks.